Progressive Democrats are calling for the expulsion of Republicans that they say incited the events of the sixth, the storming of the U.S. Capitol. Now, that's just plumb ridiculous. These politicians, these Republicans did not incite anything simply by objecting to the Electoral College vote count. That is a constitutional process by which they are allowed to do. And just because you don't agree on the accusations or the allegations doesn't mean it was wrong of them or was inciting anything that they raised these objections. But we can now see the conflation of constitutional electoral challenges with incitement to insurrection. They're saying that Donald Trump should be impeached for incitement of insurrection. But at no time did Donald Trump tell anyone to do anything violent or to storm the Capitol. In fact, in his speech, he actually said peacefully march and cheer on those politicians. It is quite unfortunate for Trump. This was the moment where there were supposed to be Republicans presenting concerns and allegations and potential evidence so the American people would finally hear what these people were talking about. Too many on the left or too many individuals who only watch mainstream media probably don't know what the actual allegations are. Unfortunately, Trump wanted a peaceful march and the cheering on of the politicians. And instead, what happened was people stormed the Capitol. For this, Trump has been accused of inciting the group. But there's some interesting facts and unfortunate facts for these Democrats in that, according to The New York Times, Donald Trump was still speaking when people started storming the Capitol before people at the ellipse listening to Trump spoke even got to the Capitol. There were already people storming through the barricades and trying to make their way inside. And Trump said to be peaceful. Now, by all means, criticize Trump's response during and after the fact. He probably should have known what was happening. I was following it on Twitter and Donald Trump should have immediately called for it to stop. Instead, he gave some tepid statements. He said, leave in peace, go home in peace. Never forget this day. And it wasn't until the next day that he issued that statement. But as it we can argue about Trump, don't get me wrong, but Trump's on the way out in what, eight days. Joe Biden will be sworn in as president. There's probably going to be a lot of protests. I remember the inauguration of Trump last time. It was particularly nasty with Antifa, and I imagine it will get particularly bad this time around. So please, I hope everyone takes security very, very seriously down in D.C. But Donald Trump is on the way out. These Republican politicians were doing their duty in upholding the will of their constituents by objecting. Many people knew that it was all for nothing. The media had said it was pointless. It's doomed to fail. And I'm sure many of these politicians knew it, too. They just wanted a chance to make sure their constituents were being heard with their complaints. It is not insurrection to follow a constitutional process objecting to a vote. They'd have lost. That'd have been the end of it. But now they're trying to push it all a step further and expel these Republicans, which let me just tell you, will do nothing. It will not work. But more importantly, it shows, in my opinion, the weakness of the GOP compared to the centers of power on the left. Now, truth be told, Republicans have tried to expel Ilhan Omar in the past. It's not like the idea of expelling someone from Congress is brand new. But what we're seeing right now, after a year of left-wing riots, Kamala Harris and Biden's campaign supporting the rioters, fundraising for them, many politicians offering up defense, many media personalities and news organizations offering up defense. And then you see the Republicans just say, please, unity. In response to the calls for unity, the left has just said no. 
expel them or resign or be stripped of your committees. And it's not just the progressives. Some mainstream establishment Democrats are joining in as well, which shows you the seats of power in the Democratic Party lean towards the progressive and far left. And the seats of power on the Republican side actually lean closer to the center, which presents a very serious problem. If we keep getting these ineffectual Republicans who are like, I'm going to go by process and y'all need some unity while they're saying, kick them out. You can see the disparity here. Republicans will just keep folding over and the Democrats will keep trampling through. Truth be told, though, we do need unity. Everybody needs to calm down, which is why right now the criticism is focused on the left for their calls for expulsion. You need to stop and chill out. But let's read what's going on, and I'll tell you why I believe this is doomed to fail. And we have the story from now this lawmakers call to expel Republicans who voted to overturn election results even after pro-Trump riot. But before we get started, head over to TimCast.com to become a member, and you'll get exclusive access to TimCast IRL podcast content, as well as access to upcoming events, assuming lockdowns are lifted and we can operate within the guidelines. We're going to be having real in-person events with some of our guests talking politics, music, video games, culture, etc. Again, go to TimCast.com. You can scroll down, become a member. We're still working out the bugs. So please bear with us as we, we get this launch rolling out. There may be some errors. You may encounter some problems, but we will get it all sorted. You can become a member very easily. And then we're still yet to populate the members only content, but it's coming. Your support here really does help, especially considering a lot of the censorship. But don't forget to like, subscribe, hit that notification bell. And let's read this story just a little bit from now this news. They say eight Republican senators and more than 130 House representatives objected to the Electoral College count during the formal congressional certification last Wednesday. They say Republican senators Josh Hawley, Cruz, Tommy Tuberville, Roger, uh, Roger Marshall, John Kennedy, Rick Scott, Cynthia Loomis, and Cynthia, Cindy Hyde-Smith sustained objections to the Electoral College count, and so did more than 130 GOP reps. Some have dubbed them the Sedition Caucus. Additional Senate Republicans had previously planned to join the group rejecting electors from disputed states during the formal counting in Congress on Wednesday, which would have only delayed, not stopped, the certification of Biden's win. Senator Lindsey Graham and Kelly Loeffler, who lost her seat last week to Raphael Warnick, had previously backed Trump's lies for months, but acknowledged on the floor Wednesday night that Biden rightfully won the election. They mention now this news, which is a progressive outlet, that it wouldn't have even changed anything. It would have slowed things down. Well, we can see here from The New York Times. Sure, now Ted Cruz and Kevin McCarthy want unity. As if it's only just now. Objecting is a constitutional process. It wasn't violence. It wasn't calls for violence. They weren't telling anyone to do anything. They were saying, I object. We need a hearing on the evidence. That's it. That's still unity. You can still be in unity with the government and with the left and still object in a constitutional manner. Objecting to someone's positions is not threatening them in any way. And that's the opinion we get from The New York Times. Wonderful. Rep. Cory Bush, a progressive, says, I don't want to unite with those responsible for the insurrection at our nation's capital. I want us to unite in holding them accountable. Right now, this is the worst possible thing uh, to, to be happening. We don't need this. You're not going to accomplish anything. You're not going to expel them. It's not going to happen. All you're doing is inflaming your side. But fine. I suppose that's what they want. I actually, you know, I'm willing to accept unity at this point if it means 
There's no conflict and no escalation because we are dangerously close to hot conflict. We don't want it unless she does. I don't think they know or care what they ask for. Cori Bush posted yesterday. I just introduced HRES 25. It would, under Section 3 of the 14th Amendment, investigate and expel the GOP members of Congress who attempted to overturn the election and incited a white supremacist attack. Call your rep to sign on. We can't have unity without accountability. You see what they're doing here? They're obsessed. It's a tribalist bloodlust. They can't stop. They can't just stop. Now, Republicans are weak. Don't get me wrong. But at least they know where that line is. In response to Ted Cruz and Hawley calling for unity, they should get attacked. They get insulted. The left doesn't want unity. There won't be unity. Look, when we had the massive riots across this country, Kamala Harris supported them. Well, I guess they could have called for her expulsion at the time, and maybe it would have been the right move because maybe she wouldn't be vice president. They could have raised 14th Amendment questions about her eligibility for office as well. And maybe Biden would have had to have picked someone else, but they didn't. And now the progressives are as well. Again, don't get me wrong. Republicans have in the past called for the expulsion of Ilhan Omar. It's not unique right now. But at the time they called for the expulsion of Omar back in 2019, we weren't dealing with this extreme level of escalation. Well, what is the 14th Amendment? Let me tell you why it's a wasted effort. All this will do is cause a dramatic escalation in the culture war, in the cold civil war, bringing us dangerously close to hot conflict. My friends, we just saw people storm the Capitol. A police officer is dead. A woman is dead. Three others died. I don't look. You can argue we are not in a civil war, whatever you want to call it. Maybe that's still true. Don't look at me. I'm not the historian who's going to tell you when and how we determine whether or not we are in a hot conflict. But where we were before with, say, Oregon defying federal authority with clashes between different factions, Trump supporters, Proud Boys, a Trump supporter being shot dead in Portland, Oregon, by a self-avowed Antifa. And now we have an actual storming of the Capitol where two factions are fighting over control of a government and it's resulted in physical conflict. The door has been opened. Call it what you want. If this continues, it is there's no doubt in my mind that history will look back on this as some kind of civil war or whatever you want to call it. But but the conflict is here. I'm not trying to uh, the last thing we need is, is conflict. The last thing we need is escalation. But I, I don't think it matters what, what my opinion on, on the issue is, because people literally stormed the Capitol and some called it a revolution. But let's talk about the 14th Amendment, why it's doomed to fail, and it will only result in more anger and animosity. Yahoo News says, what is the 14th Amendment? They say, while there has been focus on President Trump's possible impeachment and the use of the 25th Amendment to remove him from office, some House Democrats say they will invoke the 14th Amendment to call for the removal of Trump and congressional Republicans who helped incite the insurrection through their push to invalidate the results of the 2020 presidential election. Quote, If we allow insurrection against the United States with impunity, with no accountability, we are inviting it to happen again, says Ocasio-Cortez. She said this on ABC's This Week with George Stephanopoulos. She is conflating a large group of people who stormed the Capitol with Republicans following a constitutional process. You see where the, the error is? They say, Section 3 of the 14th Amendment, no person shall be a senator or representative in Congress or elector of president and vice president or hold any office, civil or military, under the U.S. or under any state who, having previously taken an oath as a member of Congress 
or as an officer of the United States or as a member of any state legislature or as an executive or judicial officer of any state to support the Constitution of the U.S. shall have engaged in insurrection or rebellion against the same or given aid or comfort to the enemies thereof. But Congress may, by vote of two thirds of each house, remove such disability. That's not going to happen. They're not going to pass this two thirds of each house. It's just not it's not there. But look at what they're saying. Given comfort to the enemies thereof, please. The objection to the electoral process is constitutionally protected and dare I say required of those who represent their districts to challenge what they view as unjust. That is process. It's fine. You either win or you lose. It's not insurrection to say I'm going to follow the Constitution. Now, you want to make an argument of the people storming the Capitol because they were unhappy with the results. Well, I think they ultimately hurt Trump. They go to mention Cori Bush, who I quoted. They say she wants to remove those who sought to overturn the election. We already know what her quote is. They go on to, they go on to mention many of these politicians, which I've already named. They say, what are the chances of the 14th Amendment succeeding? They say, well, it might pass the Democratic controlled House. The prospects of Bush's bill passing the Senate with two thirds majority it needs are remote. More likely to succeed are motions currently being discussed to censure Brooks and other members of the GOP. Censure. In the case of someone like Brooks is very easy. If passed, it would require Brooks to stand in the well of the House and listen to a formal reading of his condemnation by House colleagues. It's a scarlet letter. Oh, a scarlet letter. What is the point of trying to do this? All it's going to do is rile up their base. But it's not just Cory Bush. Democratic Senator Whitehouse, the Senate Ethics Committee must consider the expulsion or censure and punishment of Senators Cruz, Hawley, because of massive potential conflict of interest. Senators Cruz, Hawley, and Johnson need to be off all relevant committees. If they can't kick them out, they're going to try to strip them of their authority within committees. Sherrod Brown says both Hawley and Cruz have betrayed their oaths of office and abetted a violent insurrection on our democracy. I am calling for their immediate resignations. If they do not resign, the Senate must expel them absolutely absurd, betrayed their oath of office to defend and uphold the Constitution by following a constitutional process objecting. There are real questions about the election. I guess that's the end of it, though. There's not going to be a hearing. And I got to be honest, when the Trump supporters stormed the Capitol building, any chance of getting that actual presentation of concerns and evidence was shuttered for the most part. Many people still had their voices heard before it all happened. Now, Outside of expulsion, there is something called the speech and debate clause. This protects members of Congress from arrest. So I don't think it would even ever get that far. And that's a good thing, but I don't think it's necessarily on the table. The general idea of the speech and debate clause is to prevent people from stopping members of legislation from having their votes or from challenging one branch or the other. In the spirit of the speech and debate clause, you're allowed to come in and object and they shouldn't hold it against you. They're going to mention The speech and debate clause states that members of both houses shall in all cases, except for treason, felony and breach of the peace, be privileged from arrest during their attendance at the session of their respective houses and in going to and from the same. And for any speech or debate in either house, they shall not be questioned in any other place. It says arrest, but you can go on and argue that the following provision about being questioned in any other place could reference potential expulsion or their objections to the electoral vote count. To conflate the two, I believe, is dangerous. Listen, 
I don't think AOC or Cory Bush should be expelled. I think they should just calm down and please simmer down. You know, we need we need we need calm in this country, but you've got elements of both sides that don't want it on the right. They're calling for unity. That's a good thing. What can I criticize there that maybe they should have done it sooner, perhaps that maybe they're a bit weak? Sure. But if the Democrats keep escalating and pushing and saying no, it's only going to escalate and get get worse. Jim Jordan called for unity and Representative McGovern fires back. Glad that all it took for you to call for unity and healing was for our freedom and democracy to be attacked. But for the last several months, Jordan and others have given oxygen to Trump's conspiracy theories. So what? You're allowed to be stupid. If you think that this stuff is wrong and people are dumb, it's not an argument for insurrection or sedition. Having a legitimate argument in Congress is allowed. When Jim Jordan comes out and tries to actually call for unity, they fire back and they say no. And here we go. From uh, AOC, ABC News, the process of healing and uh, the process of healing is separate and in fact requires accountability. And so if we allow insurrection against the United States with impunity, with no accountability, we are inviting it to happen again. Without it, it will happen again. You know what? Fine. Fine. Then all those who supported Black Lives Matter as they ride through this country and Antifa as they set up autonomous zones should be expelled. I got no problem getting rid of all of them. I'm, I'm, I'm down. Let's have, an, let's, let's, let's have a discussion. We'll go through all the Democrats who in any way defended or supported the insurrection against our institutions throughout the entire year, the, the attacks on federal buildings. Anybody who comforted these individuals, get them out. And I'll say the same to the Republicans as well. Anyone who comforted or abetted and defended the insurrection. So that means if you're a politician who said that who defended the, the people storming the Capitol, got to go. And if you're a politician who defended the autonomous zone anti-war Black Lives Matter, got to go. You know what would happen if that were the case? Not a Republican would be removed and many Democrats would be. Why? Because the, the, the storming of the Capitol has been universally condemned and not a single Republican told any of these people to do it. You see? Republicans won't call for the expulsion of the left, so I can only imagine it'll just get worse. In this thread from Amuse on Twitter, we can see a series of of posts of videos of the left advocating or encouraging physical confrontation, outright violence, incivility, calling for people to fight back. Here's Colin Kaepernick saying we have the right to fight back. The cries for peace will rain down and when they do, they will land on deaf ears. Here's Kamala Harris fundraising for those who are arrested for rioting, who are raising, who, who are challenging our institutions and trying to destroy them. Are these people going to be expelled? Maybe they should be. Twitter allows Khomeini of Iran to be on the platform. Here's people calling for uh, violence, outright overt calls for violence. But I'll tell you what I see here in these posts. Amuse is attempting to show the double standard. We know there's a double standard. We've all known there's a double standard. Parler gets purged. Meanwhile, the violence on Twitter is allowed. Amazon says nothing. They defended their corporate partners and those who would make them more money and their political ideologies. The Democrats defended physical confrontation. I don't say I say physical confrontation because some of it was getting in the faces of people, which is the precursor to outright violence. But some of these individuals did call for fighting back. It's allowed. You know what we see from this? A thread just explaining how the right has already lost. 
Why? You could simply say, I'm going to do my best to adhere to my constituents, uh, or to represent my constituents, and they'll say, expel them from Congress. You could call for unity and peace, and they will try to remove you. That's just the name of the game. Yet they, for the entire year, have been escalating and calling for more. Where have been the Republican attempts to derail, the, you know, or, or, or to expel, or censure even? Was Kamala Harris censured for fundraising for rioters? Of course not. The bias is obvious. The system is skewed. And it is obvious the right has already lost. They've already, they've already done it. They've done nothing to, to actually stop any of what was happening. Trump could have joined any one of these uh, social media platforms outside of the big three whenever he wanted. He never did. Trump could have taken, made more heavy moves against the far left. He never did. So why Trump is Trump going to pardon Assange? Probably not. Is going to is he going to pardon any of these um, any of his supporters? Probably not. He pardoned his buddies. That's probably the end of it. So listen, they'll criticize Trump. They'll claim he invoked or incited, but it's just not the case. When you go to the New York Times, and let me show you this. Donald Trump. They say when the first barriers were breached, Trump continues speaking. That's right. When people were pushing on the barrier barriers, knocking them down and storming the Capitol, Trump didn't even finish speaking. So who are these people who are ignoring the speech from the person they so admire who called for a peaceful march? Maybe not necessarily, I'll call them Trump supporters, but maybe more like Boogaloo boys, people who are less concerned about Trump and more concerned with challenging the government. Trump supporters have been saying since this day that they will follow Trump's lead. And when Trump says no to violence, they said, "Okay, just go to the Donald.win, the the main Trump supporter hub, and they will tell you outright if Trump says go home in peace, they will do so because they support Trump. But there are a lot of people who support Trump who aren't the same. Just because you are a Trump supporter doesn't mean you're a Trump supporter first. Some of these people like Trump because he's the raging bull in the ivory tower, but they would prefer, I guess, Boogaloo, as it were. And those people were storming the Capitol while Trump was speaking to a rally. Many of these people who are at the rally peacefully left. In this story from the AP, the army is investigating an officer who led a group to the Washington rally. But this officer says they were at the rally where Trump was speaking, got on their buses and left. And now she's under investigation. For what? The AP says they're investigating a PSYOPs officer who led a group of people from North Carolina to the rally in Washington that led up to the deadly riot. Commanders at Fort Bragg are reviewing Captain Emily Rainey's involvement in last week's events in the nation's capital, but she said she acted within military regulations and that no one in her group broke the law. I was a private citizen and doing everything right and within my rights. She said she led 100 members of the Moore County Citizens for Freedom, which describes itself online as a nonpartisan network promoting conservative values, to the Washington rally to stand against election fraud and support Trump. She said she didn't know of anyone who entered the Capitol and that they were headed back to their buses hours before an emergency curfew took effect. So that's it. She's under investigation. The establishment is going to go after people who are just there. That's it. Were you in D.C.? That's probably enough. Seriously, you were at Trump's speech. Too bad. They're not going to differentiate. If you were an organizer at that event, they will likely purge you, even if you had nothing to do with the storming of the Capitol. The right, in my opinion, has been routed at the very least. When I say lost, you know, looking at all of the stuff from the left and the calls for violence, I think they did. I mean, you've, the, the right has lost all the cultural institutions. They're being purged from social media. And there's a desperate, and it's not even just conservatives. 
If you look at Dave Rubin, for instance, and Locals, his social media platform, many of these individuals are not conservative or far right. They're like moderate and centrist, and they're fleeing to other platforms because the chopping block, well, it's a coming. And it doesn't matter if you're conservative or moderate or centrist or whatever, you're all the same to the far left. So here it comes. It's funny. I posted about, you know, going to TimCast.com and becoming a member. We're going to have members only uh, posts soon. It's going to be great. And there are people saying, Tim, you're not going anywhere. Twitter won't ban you. Oh, please. Listen, I've already had videos removed from YouTube. I've not received strikes for some of them. We had a warning on the Alex jo- the podcast we did with Alex Jones, just a warning. But I've had videos taken down from my channel for things that weren't violations of the community standards. So yes, we are at the at that moment where it's not just conservatives, but maybe maybe uh, the end result won't be all bad. It's kind of like, you know, the, the more they pull the blocks out from the Jenga tower, the more likely it is to fall. As Twitter continually isolates people, creating a platform just for the left, then why would anyone use it? I mean, I got to be honest, I don't really see a point using Twitter anymore. Look, there's reasons why social media platforms didn't really take off. Who wants to look? I'm gonna slow down. Why should I be active on Parler if it's just an echo chamber of the right? And many of these people on Parler were also already on Twitter anyway. So I'm going to speak more effectively on Twitter. And then they banned Parler. And now tw- and, and now on Twitter, they're purging Q- what is it, QAnon adjacent, I guess it is, people who are sharing content similar to QAnon stuff. Sure, fine, whatever. You get rid of people to have debates with and conversation with. What, what's the point? Why even be on the platform? I got I to gotta be real. At this point, I can get my news aggregated from other sources. I don't need Twitter. And so Twitter's becoming boring and people are leaving. And I think Twitter might see a huge drop off in their stock value because they got rid of one of the most entertaining people on the platform. Now you're going to have many leftists and activists using it as a left wing activist hub. That's all it really is. You know, I used to post my videos there. I'd say, here's the video. It's up to people on Twitter. And I realized that was a bad idea. All it did was signal to the left that I made a video and then they would come and just down, give a thumbs down and insult and berate. So what was the point? So I stopped doing it. Then I just posted random shower thoughts and I don't check mentions anymore. I used to use it to communicate with people. Now, what's the point? I got to be honest, I'll probably just slowly stop using it because there's nothing to really even tweet about anymore. I mean, kind of. But all that I see now on Twitter is screams from the left. They're, they're, they're in trouble. They're desperate to use whatever they can to maintain what little influence they had left. The Trump era may be coming to an end. The, Jim Acosta is no longer the White House correspondent for CNN. It's now Caitlin Collins. The yelling at Trump era is over. The Trump era of yelling back is over. And maybe this results in all of these inflammatory media outlets just fizzling out. Good. Good. They'll accuse me of the same thing. But let me tell you something. I've been doing this for a long time. Uh, about a decade. And my work was never predicated upon the culture war. Now, there's cultural issues I can talk about. But as I mentioned many times, when we started the Tim Cast IRL podcast, we were doing segments on Bigfoot and UFOs. We were doing segments on Sonic the Hedgehog and Birds of Prey and other movies. And we're slowly pushing back into that. We've done several segments on UFOs and we'll continue to because there's new information about UFOs coming out soon. 
Well, actually, I think it just came out. The CIA dropped some documents. But with COVID and the lockdown, politics became the only thing available. The only thing we could, we could discuss is why we were all being beaten down, what the crisis was and what the fight was. Plus, it was an election year. Now, I think it's time for people to calm down. I'll certainly embrace it. And you know what's going to happen? We're going to watch all of these anti-Trump personalities whose entire career were built upon yelling about Trump, fizzle out, burn out and go away. And you know what's going to happen? With shows like mine, we're finally going to be able to break free and talk about more important things and different issues like we were in the beginning. Believe it or not, while we did have on the Timcast IRL podcast our biggest shows around the election for obvious reasons, we actually had more success talking about cultural issues and cultural politics as opposed to talking about straight news. But when everything fell apart, all that there was was politics. And we're pushing against it. And that's the plan. You know, one of our top videos, we talk about like feminism and dating. It's more fun. And we're going to bring those guests back and we're going to focus on wider cultural issues. So I'll, I'm going to try to, to slowly stop all of this. But for the time being, on, you know, in the next week or so, we'll see where things go. I don't chase after views as much as the left would try and argue it's true. It's not. I just talk about what I think is most important at the time. And right now, what I think is most important is actually stopping the vitriol and the hate and focusing on other things. And that's why we're focusing on building the vlog and we have the new website, because we want people to learn to be self-sufficient, self-reliant, to have fun, to explore, and not just focus on all the rage all the time. Maybe, you know, we on the podcast and myself played an outsized role compared to other uh, other channels simply because I was getting so many views. And sure, I don't care. By all means, criticize me. I'm going to do my best to try and help everybody simmer down to the best of my abilities. I can't tell you what to think. I can't make you simmer down. I can just try and give you outlets and encourage independence, stoicism, rationality, pragmatism, etc. Calm. But uh, by all means, you can focus on what you want. There's going to be a lot of people who already don't like that. There's a lot of people who don't want to watch much of my videos or give it thumbs down. So be it. I'm going to give you I'm going to tell you what I think. And I'll always try to be as honest as possible. I say as honest as possible because sometimes there's private information and there's people's safety and there's certain things I can't say, but I got no problem being blunt. Someone sends me a book. I'm like, you're going to read it. I was on the IRL podcast with Sean Parnell. He gave me his books. I'm going to read them. I'm like, I'll be honest. I'm not going to read them. <laughs> like, I'm not trying to be a dick. I'm just trying to tell you the truth because people send me books all the time. I don't have time for this stuff. And, you know, other people might be into it. I'm not going to lie. That's where we are now. Hopefully we find a way out of this mess and hopefully everybody finds an outlet, calms down, hangs out with their loved ones and find out, finds out what's really important to them. Hopefully we'll see how it plays out, but stick around, go to timcast.com, sign up, become a member. We're going to start having this members only content probably in the next couple of days or so. So, uh, it should be, it should be a lot of fun. Thanks for hanging out. I wish you the best. Look up. Think positively, and I hope hopefully these people on the left find that way, uh, find that path forward as well. The next segment is going to be live, youtube.com slash timcastirl at 8 p.m., where we should have a bit more fun and humor tonight. So I, I look forward to it. And we, you know, we try to have a bit more levity on the podcast than I do on, on these shows, on, on this on this show. So uh, thanks for hanging out. And uh, I'll see you all at 8 p.m. tonight. Former Trump official Fiona Hill, the president's actions have put us on the brink of civil war. That's not true. 
It's only technically true, only partially true. The reality is everybody has some culpability as to why we are on the brink of a civil war. And it's not one person, one group. It's not the left. It's not the right. And it's not necessarily malicious on the part of either tribe, though there are malicious actors who seek to inflame tensions and probably just want to profit off of everything. The reality is everyone engaged in the fight over what they believe in is contributing to this. And that's why I've often said I don't see a path out. I don't see a way we peacefully de-escalate because no one wants to. Joe Biden comparing uh, Ted Cruz and Josh Hawley to Goebbels. It's that kind of rhetoric that leads us in this direction. Joe Biden needs to be the one to stop. I mean, a lot of people need to be the one to stop. Nobody wants to stop. They want to inflame tensions. They want to either some people just make money. But I'll tell you where I stand first. And I'll just say as a loud and prominent voice in the political sphere, I think that I absolutely contribute to the tensions 100%. Why? Well, I'm going to tell you what I think and what I believe in and what I think is important. Notably, the Constitution, freedom of speech, freedom to assemble, freedom to worship, the Second Amendment, the third, fourth, fifth, all of them. Even the one, even, even when we banned alcohol and they were like, that was a bad idea. And then we went back and removed that. Seems like a weird thing to put in the Constitution anyway. Maybe that's just me. I believe in what I believe in, and I refuse to back down. I don't want anybody coming and stripping my rights away, and I don't want anyone coming and stripping your rights away. So you better believe I'm going to make videos and express myself and defend these views. I fear that if I stop, if I stop defending freedom of speech and calling out the censorship, the result will be nothing to hold back the wave, the tide. And so it is an unstoppable force and an, and an immovable object just colliding and crashing on a field as tensions build up and more and more people are rushing to the battlefield and getting engaged. I can't blame the uh, the, the authoritarians, the, the far left, from wanting what they want because they truly believe they're morally justified and they're not going to back down either. I think they're wrong. I think what they're doing historically has proven to be evil. And I think there are a lot of people uh, on the left who are just grifters who make their money. I'll tell you this. Some of these people that replied to Donald Trump when he had his Twitter account, they would wait on they have notifications set up. Trump would tweet and they would rush in and just tweet something dumb at, because they knew first in best dressed. So they would try and make some stupid joke, totally irrelevant. And then they would put send me money on PayPal or buy my shirts. Worse still were the people who created robots bot accounts that would immediately respond to the president with something that had nothing to do with what he said just to get that smack down. And then they would sell shirts. These are people who didn't care that they were fanning the flames, making everybody hate each other and things were just getting worse. These are people who not once said anything nice about those they disagree with. I'll tell you something. The fact that I can point out, I think, my demands for freedom, respect, and liberty, the fact that I think my opinions and my content does contribute shows, in my opinion, I'm trying. I absolutely am. I often try to give credit where credit is due to the to people I really don't like or disagree with. The other day, I gave credit to, I, I often try to make sure that even when I'm very critical of Ocasio-Cortez, because I do have serious issues with her and what she does, I give her credit on the things I think she did right, notably calling out big tech surveillance, which is extremely important, and previously working with Ted Cruz to try and end that lobbying cycle, the circle of lobbying in, in, in D.C. I don't think they succeeded, but I can give respect for at least them standing for something that uh, I agree with. 
Josh Hawley and Bernie Sanders came together to push for $2,000 stimulus checks. I respect that attempt at coming together. But now we have AOC going after Ted Cruz and Josh Hawley saying they should be expelled. The rhetoric is escalating. The, the, the media companies have discovered a long time ago, and something I've often complained about, that it's just easier to target a market and go after that market and give them what they want instead of actually just producing the news. And that's the big problem with everything we have now, which is why I feel we're on a collision course that can't be stopped. I don't expect uh, the likes of AOC to just give up and say, I'm not going to fight for this. And I don't expect people on the right, like, you know, Josh Hawley to just cave and quit. But I got to say, and, and this is and this is the contributing factor. Why is AOC calling for more? Why are there comedians calling for blood? Where are the people to just say stop? Why well, I have no problem calling out the QAnon conspiracy nonsense. These people who just believe there's something, you know, there's a plan. There's no plan. There's not been a plan. It's 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 so it's so nuts that you can have Q say that Robert Mueller was secretly working for Trump back in the day and was going to arrest Hillary. And none of that ever happens. Yet here we are with people still believing it all. In fact, I wouldn't be surprised if the whole thing was meant to just destroy and derail Trump's base because this stuff is all, you know, I, I can't believe after everything that's happened, it's only escalated. But there are people who believe things that are incorrect and they're on the left and the right. The left, I think, is loaded with grifters. I think, uh, and I'm not, I'm not a fan of that word, but I think Ocasio-Cortez her whole bit is careerism and celebrity because there's no functional reason to demand the expulsion of Ted Cruz and Josh Hawley. None. It's meaningless. It won't happen. It's a waste of time. It's her spraying lighter fluid on the bonfire. It's not going to happen. They're not going to expel these individuals, but they're pushing for it anyway. Fiona Hill says the president did this. It's almost like they either don't care or they don't read. Donald Trump is not the cause of, he's a symptom of. The anger that people in this country felt did not start with Donald Trump. It created Donald Trump. And the sooner people realize that, the sooner we can probably start to solve these problems and figure out how we lower the tensions. I don't think we'll be able to get to that point. Not because I'm being pessimistic, I don't I think it's 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 silly when people say it's a bit pessimistic or or blackpilled or whatever. Just because these the writing is on the wall. I mean, am I supposed to lie and pretend like the equation laid out before us leads to a peaceful hand holding and hugging under a rainbow? If someone came to you and said two plus two equals four, and you said that was pessimistic, I'd say no, it's just what it is. I don't want it to be that way. Maybe two plus two should be five, like many people want. And now you can see that's what they do on the left. They'll just try and change definitions and ideas so that their world fits whatever it is they want instead of adapting and realizing the world is not candy canes and rainbows all the time, that there's conflict sometimes. And when we look at what's going on and we look at what happened in D.C., we can see the escalation. I'm tired. I'm frustrated and I am tired because since the 6th, the news has been nothing but the Capitol, the Capitol, the Capitol, Trump, the Capitol. And at a certain point, I get it. Okay, it was a very serious moment. But come on now, are we moving forward or not? Apparently we're not. That's why I was thinking like maybe just take, take, a, take a, a week off 
and let this, you know, play out and see where we end up on the 20th or whatever, and then just come back and get back to talking about cultural issues and things I care about. The only thing I'm seeing is that, you know, let me stop. This is what I feared. When the sixth happened, there was universal condemnation. And I kind of knew what to expect. Immediately, everybody would say it was bad, and they'd back away and say, this is awful. And a lot of people would remain quiet. And then over the next several days, there would be a new pushback narrative from the right, which is starting to emerge, saying that blame those people. It was several hundred, not the hundreds of thousands that were peacefully in D.C. minding their own business. Donald Trump himself said, you know, peacefully march. But now we're seeing we're seeing pushback. We're also seeing a, a I guess you can call it a media bloodlust. The, the fact that news organizations are built around inciting people and making them angry just goes to show that there's no exit. There's no off ramp. So I'll tell you, people people will say that my content is just rage bait or whatever. And I recognize that. And I say, and that's what my point is, you know, with the, the first bit of this segment, that I'm going to keep pointing out things that I think are bad, and I am going to try and, uh, you know, fight for what I believe in. So when I see stories and I'm like, that's crazy, I will talk about them and I'll give you my opinions. But I think about the people who go on the ground and just film the cops in every circumstance. Uh, You know, people who go around just filming police trying to find that moment. You ask the question, like, why were they filming? The people who take statistical uh, anomalies and turn them into mainstream groundbreaking stories. So, for example, the, the general idea is this. If we have, you know, what, what do we have? Hundreds of millions of interactions with police and we have 13 unarmed black men in 2019 being shot and killed. Those are tragedies. There should be accountability. But when they become the headlines, and it's the only thing you hear, it results in people starting to lose their minds. And then, of course, my channel is derivative of the news cycle. When the news cycle hits, I then come in and give my thoughts. Sometimes, you know, uh, uh, as much as the left really doesn't want to admit it, uh, maybe maybe I would, I would say around 20% of what I do is just overt journalism in the sense that a lot of what I'm producing is just political commentary opinion. Um, but the, the legit journalism is like I often fact check. I fact check basically every single story I pull up unless it's an opinion piece and you can't fact check an opinion. Um, or I'll actually pull up bills and read the bills and, and do things like that. But there are a lot of people who dedicate their entire platform to just finding out how they can inflame because it will get them that, that traffic. And I often have to think about this, too, when I'm putting titles and things together. And a lot of people complain, saying, oh, that title's too bombastic. And I'm like, there's a line between trying to downplay what's going on and overhyping what's going on. I'm sure there are moments where you can criticize me and say that was a bit over the top, maybe. But I try to, uh, I, I, I take these, these things seriously when I'm titling and when I'm putting together thumbnails and things like that. Like the other day when Nancy Pelosi requested the Joint Chiefs of Staff to sever Trump from the chain of command, which they said was a military coup. I had to make the choice of, do I say Nancy Pelosi called for, you know, asked the Pentagon to stage a military coup or out of an attempt to not sound too hyperbolic or bombastic? Do I just say, oh, she 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 it was an accident. It was an accident. Or do I just call it what it is? These are these are these are conversations that probably don't happen in many of these newsrooms, which is what's really leading us to some kind of civil war. House Democrats briefed on three more plots potentially targeting Congress. Axios reports 
Capitol Police briefed House Democrats on Monday about three more potentially violent planned demonstrations in D.C., with at least one involving a plot to to assassinate lawmakers as part of an insurrection, Huffington Post first reported. That's serious, okay? So I hope they, they double their security. I hope they lock that place down, and I hope we can make it through these next 10 days peacefully. But I don't, I don't, I think there are people on the left and on the right who have been waiting for some kind of instability to, to take advantage of it. And that's why I think we are in dangerous waters. Now, I want to, I want you to read this. I want you to hear this. House Democrats briefed on three more plots potentially targeting Congress. Think about what Axios choose to use as a title. Now, they say Huffington Post first reported this, and the Huffington Post says House Democrats briefed on three terrifying plots to overthrow the government. You see, you see the difference. The Huffington Post knows who they're targeting. They know what they're trying to do, and they know why they're trying to do it. And this is the downward spiral and the death decay of our country. Which is why I announced a while ago that one, I was reducing the amount of content I was producing and two, going to be launching a vlog and three, focusing more on the Timcast IRL podcast. The Timcast IRL podcast is much more conversational and there's an opportunity for some pushback and some, you know, calming things down. The vlog is about producing culture and being positive and inspiring. And I want to avoid things like this a terrifying plot to overthrow the government. Leftists are the ones reading the Huffington Post. And they'll see that and they'll get scared. And they'll think, oh, no, please embolden the security state. And I I hate, you know, to invoke uh, Godwin's law, but there are conversations about how, you know, Nazi Germany came to be and how Hitler gained the power he did. You had the enabling act and you had uh, the the suspension of civil liberties. You had the burning of of the Reichstag. And this isn't, isn't necessarily the same, but we just had a bunch of Trump supporters, many of them, not all of them, ransack different parts of the Capitol building. Maybe ransack's a bit strong, but there was damage done. It's funny to see the videos of people calmly walking through velvet ropes peacefully and like respectfully and being led in by cops. And then other videos where people are beating the crap out of cops and storming through the barriers. There's a lot to talk about there, which if you're listening to the podcast, you've already heard. But for everyone else, I'll get to uh, later today. So the left is, is trying to frame this as much as possible. And I think they're going, their framing is going to win. If you look at something like Wikipedia, it is now become an aggregate of opinion. That's right. So if you look at a personality and their and their Wikipedia profile, it'll say something like a far right, alt right conspiracy theorist, right? And those are opinions. They are. All to understand why it's an opinion and why it's not true, you simply have to look at how the court handles defamation law. If someone calls you far right, you can't sue them for defamation in in no context. None. You could be a socialist, communist cheering on China, and they will still call you far right. Believe it or not, the left believes China is far right. Someone will then write an article saying you're far right. And then what happens is 20 other outlets will regurgitate the same thing without doing any fact checking, knowing or caring. They'll then go on Wikipedia and say, you are far right. We have 20 sources that proves it. Instead of providing any real tangible evidence as to what you've said and what you believed, they just go by what the media claims. This is not necessarily great historical record, but you have to understand as much as you might disagree with Wikipedia, not like how it works. It is being treated as a historical record, as an aggregate. 
And it's showing you what the media has been producing and putting together. So now the narrative is being solidified. Trump insurrectionist assassins were breaking into the Capitol to execute politicians. May be true for some of the people. It may be true for a small group of, of crazy people. It's probably true of Antifa as well when they, when they set up autonomous zones and when they literally killed people. But the overwhelming majority of people who protested over for George Floyd were peaceful. Now, I've pointed out many, many times, and I've praised the people who lay down on the sidewalk and put their hands behind their back. I thought that was fantastic. Nonviolent civil disobedience generated tons of positive press. But what, that, what we then get is the media downplaying the extent of the violence and destruction that came from it. Some of the worst we have ever seen in this country. And the media shapes the narrative. And the media is controlled, for the most part, by the left. So the Huffington Post can put the story, which says terrifying plots to overthrow the government. And I'm sure the people who work at Huffington Post justify it by saying, well, it is terrifying, I guess. Well, that's an opinion. That's an opinion. Is the Huffington Post in the business of only producing op-eds? I have no problem if that's the case, but the Huffington Post is considered to be a news source. They're considered by NewsGuard to be overwhelmingly credible producing factual news. I do not consider my channels to be news, like factual, straightforward news. No, they are news commentary. That's what this is. Yes, I will give you facts and I will give you my analysis, my thoughts on them. But I am citing other sources. I do my best to avoid things like the Huffington Post, but I'm far from perfect. And that's why I say we're all in this. We are. I don't I don't I don't know if there's a way out. I, I honestly do not know if there's a way out. And I don't know if it matters. I am. I, I woke up and every day over the past week. And this is one of the reasons why I did wait. I only did three segments instead of uh, instead of six on the weekend. And I'm even down from doing six per day. I used to do 10, 1, 4 p.m. and then 6, 6, 15 and 6, 30 for all my segments. I got rid of the 6 p.m. segment saying, you know what? It's too much. It's it's people are 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 just it's too much. We need something else. Now, in this past week, it has been the way I described it the other day on the IRL podcast is you open up Twitter and it's just you immediately hear a scream, ah, just screaming. That's all you hear. You're scrolling through and it's just screams from everyone. I, 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 I posted something like this on Twitter that I said it was just people out for blood. And there are a lot of people saying, I don't know, all I see is video games. All I see is, is, is you know, comic book reviews. And I'm like, OK, I get it. Right. That's who you follow. I'm following Reuters, the New York Times, prominent left-wing journalists, right-wing journalists, right-wing news organizations. I am following the political news cycle and the news cycle in general. And what I am seeing is just screaming at the tops of people's lungs, every post, an, an extreme. Now, of course, where I end up on this is with tacit support from the, you know, the true Trump believers who for a long time followed me and supported me because I was defending Trump because the media was being completely unreasonable. And the joke I often made and many others have made is the stop making me defend Trump, please. But once we get to the point where we see the QAnon stuff is completely unhinged and many of these people from the Capitol are, are nuts, then they start saying, oh, you know, Tim sold out and they don't like it. And I, I said this would happen. There's reason and there and there's being reasonable and there's being rational. I think most Trump supporters are because I follow them and I see what they're saying. And I see Mike Cernovich and Scott Adams and Will Chamberlain, and I see their reasonable approach to Trump having lost the fight. And then I see people who just refuse to back down, believing there's some kind of plan and they don't want to give up. So there are people on Twitter and there are moderates 
libertarians. And I think really, maybe what we're really seeing is the libertarians had a passive agreement with conservatives for free speech and stopping the woke insanity. Just passive. Not every libertarian, because libertarians aren't all the same and don't always get along. Some people claim to be libertarians aren't really libertarians. But I think what we saw is who are the, who are the people who believe in liberty and freedom, be it left libertarianism or right libertarianism, siding with? Well, many right libertarians hated Trump. Many left libertarians hated Trump. And many right libertarians said at least Trump's not that bad. And many left libertarians said similar. It was not so many left libertarians, though. Although I will say that they're certainly not in favor of Joe Biden in the establishment. I guess what we're seeing now is you know, it goes back and forth between the authoritarian factions. Those who have power will use it and they demand it. And when they're in a weaker position, they beg, help, help, I'm under attack. And that's the people we got to avoid, the authoritarian types. We mustn't defend them. The people who think they have a right to just take things, take over and hurt you and hurt others. I don't know how we slow things down or how we stop things. I got a whole bunch of news staring me in the face and it is all just about the same thing over and over again. And I'm just, I don't know, man. I thought I thought about, you know what, just taking the day off again and doing IRL podcast tonight because it's a lot it's a lot simpler to have that conversation with some friends about what's going on, because I am sick of just seeing the same stories times 10 every day. They say, here's the Capitol, the riots again. Guess what? It's worse than you thought. And they are just beating it down and hammering it and screaming at the top of their lungs. And I'm just like, I don't want to talk about it. It was bad. And it, it, people need to chill out. But are we supposed to just keep screaming? The top of top of their top, uh, top of our lungs. Am I supposed to look at this news? Cops are being arrested. A cop was arrested. No joke. A cop was arrested. Some are suspended. Some are under investigation. Democrats are calling for expulsion. And here we go. No, I'm going to cover it. I'm going to talk about it. Why? Because it is important. And I think people need to know what's going on. But at a certain point, I think people are just losing their minds. That, that, that's why I give the shout out to Scott Adams and Mike Cernovich, because they seem to have reached their breaking point where they're like, dude, this is going crazy. And they're right. So what what becomes of us and all of this? When you see the Huffington Post's framing, I don't blame them th- for the framing. I, I, if they think it was terrifying, though, well, that's by all means. And overthrow the government. Well, targeting Congress wouldn't necessarily overthrow the entire government. So I, you know, I, I question that. When you see Fiona Hill blame Trump for this. It's not just Trump's fault. Trump's a contributing factor. Don't get me wrong, but everybody is playing the game, especially Fiona Hill. I hope you're all calm, safe and happy. And I hope you take a day off. I hope you guys order some food with family. Just have a good time and try to chill out. And I hope everyone does. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 1 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out. And I will see you all then. Over the past several years, we've heard that deplatforming works. These leftist journalists who advocate for banning people keep saying, see, they're gone. Deplatforming the person made their ideas go away. Because these people live on Twitter. They don't understand how ideas work, and they don't understand that you can't just disappear people. Banning them is the equivalent of covering your eyes. Their ideas don't go away, and the mob is still at the gates with pitchforks. We're now hearing that the online far right is moving underground, downloading apps like Signal, CloudHub, MeWe, Telegram, Rumble. Signal is an encrypted communications app used by anybody concerned about privacy and security. I recommend it. It has nothing to do with the right going deeply underground. 
It has to do with you stomping them underground and them still doing what they want to do. In fact, all this does is make everything worse. What's that I hear? The left saying, but look, we deplatformed these prominent right wing figures and it worked and everything's back to normal. Were you sleeping on January 6th when people stormed the Capitol? What happened to all the deplatforming you did? Oh, maybe they'll say it's in spite of, of the deplat or, or, or the platforming still helped. It would have been worse if we didn't. Okay. Alex Jones was still there. You banned him, removed him from everything. And then all he did was create a proprietary platform, his own version of YouTube. And he gets tons of views on it. He made a video calling for peaceful protest. He's seen at the Capitol. Now, mind you, I believe the video is him saying, don't go inside the building. The point is, Alex Jones is still prominent among many of these individuals. In fact, I did two podcast episodes with him. He's still there. His ideas still exist. And he still pulls in a tremendous amount of influence. He's still selling supplements. You did nothing, nothing to stop him. The only thing they do by sweeping everything under the rug or, or trying to stomp it underground is make it so they can't influence people anymore. And they make it so that they have no idea what these people are doing. I'm sick of talking about it. I really am. You know, maybe maybe just in the next few days, I'll focus on stories that have nothing to do with this. The media, I believe, is getting desperate. They've built up an enterprise off of Orange Man Bad. You want to talk about the culture war and the two main factions that I believe were the belligerents? It's Trump and the media. Choose your side. I think the media was awful and Trump wasn't that bad. That, I think, easily defines where people will put you. Who do you trust more? Now, I'm not saying I trust Trump uh, completely like many of his most ardent supporters did, but I knew for a fact that they had lied about so much having to do with Trump. Now, Trump certainly lied as well often. Come on, he's in politics. But it was just so egregious the amount of lying they would do about the guy. It was insane. The left believes the media is telling the truth and that Trump is the one who lies all the time. And that's the game. Now, as they seek to ban and, and silence and shut everyone down, all that's happening is that these individuals are finding other ways to communicate, creating underground networks. Well, that's what Axios says, going underground. They nuked Parler. They are doing everything in their power to crush this ide- these ideas and this ideology. And the scary thing is, it's all based on a lie that all of these people are white supremacists or far right or whatever, what other nonsense. And the more they do it, the more they radicalize people. I want you to take a look at this story from the Washington Post. Talk radio owner orders conservative hosts to temper election fraud rhetoric. They say Cumulus Media, which employs some of the most popular right-leaning talk radio hosts in the United States, has told its on-air personalities to stop suggesting that the election was stolen from President Trump or else face termination. A Cumulus executive issued the directive on Wednesday, just as Congress met to certify Joe Biden's election victory, and an angry mob of Trump supporters marched on the Capitol overwhelmed police and briefly occupied the building, terrorizing lawmakers and leading to the deaths of five people. We, we, we know what happened. Take a look at this quote. We need to help induce national calm now. Brian Phillips, executive vice president of content for Cumulus, wrote in an internal memo, which was first reported by Inside Music Media. Cumulus and its program syndication arm Westwood One will not tolerate any suggestion that the election has not ended 
The election has been resolved and there are no alternate acceptable paths. Memo reads, if you transgress this policy, you can expect to separate from the company immediately. Boy, am I glad I never signed with this company. They, they do a lot of the top podcasts. And let me just let me just first say, Ryan Phillips is right. We do need to help induce national calm. Well, whatever that means. I can't tell people what they can or can't do and what they choose to do is entirely on them. I don't view myself as a broadcast arbiter of truth, someone who dictates to the masses. Quite the contrary. I've always said I'm just some dude complaining on the Internet, and that's still how I see myself, which is why it's so strange, to be completely honest, when I have all of these lefties coming at me and accusing me and writing about me, and I'm just like, I just turn on a camera and talk about my feelings and what I think. And, you know, I want to better understand what's happening and give my thoughts and opinions. I suppose there are many people who are like that, but I guess many who work in broadcast media traditionally, like at radio stations and at these big news organizations, view themselves as the dictators to the masses. I don't view myself that way. So it's probably why, you know, people are going to give me thumbs down on a lot of videos. I got more thumbs. I got a ton of thumbs down on my video yesterday, and I had a lot of people complaining. And it's like, dude, I'm going to tell you what I think. If you don't like it, well, you know, that's too bad. I don't know what else to tell you. I'm a dude who turns on a camera and just talks about what I think, what I see, what I'm learning, what I think might happen, and how I feel about it. Now, I personally think right now it is imperative that everybody calm down because we do not want. Look, China is growing out of control. They are planning beaching drills for Taiwan, and we have to cross our fingers and hope that in the event of some kind of Chinese military incursion into the into, uh, uh, you know, Southeast Asian territories that are not theirs, the United States can help keep the world stable in that capacity. But if we crack now, then they can just do whatever they want. Now, I think Biden's got problems, and I think there's a bunch of people who are going to be in government who will praise and maybe help China. But I, I don't know. I just I, I worry about what happens if we get a true conflict, a true civil war, and we don't want people dying. We don't want the chaos. But I feel like because of the media's obsession and desperation, it's going to happen. I want to show you this thread from James Lindsay, a very astute individual. He is one of the foremost experts on wokeness. James Lindsay, referencing the story, says they've become so accustomed to just manufacturing whatever public sentiment that they want that they don't realize that there are limits to the magic of alchemy. And with hundreds of millions of people around the world, the spell is already broken. He references the quotes I just read about inducing calm. James says, this is no small point here, by the way. They literally believe they can manufacture by engineering the discourses, whatever public sentiment and mood they want. They think they can induce national calm by censoring people and tailoring what people hear and say. It's absolutely crucial to understanding what's happening now to understand the idea of, quote, discourse engineering, where they believe they can do social engineering by changing what people talk about and quite clearly achieve virtually any end with it. Yesterday, I made a video and it got, I think, like 20 percent or so thumbs down. Typically, my videos throughout you know the, the past several years have been getting 99 percent thumbs up, even when I was critical of Trump. But now there's a break. I've been getting around 92% thumbs up. So look, much respect to the resilient individuals who disagree with me and still watch. And there are many people who disagree with me and give me a thumbs down and have been calling me a sellout or insulting, whatever. Listen, I don't control what you think and you don't have to listen to what I have to say. I don't think that what I do is 
causing these things to happen. In fact, quite the contrary. People come to my content because they many probably already agree. And when they don't, they leave. I can't tell you or anyone else what to think or believe. Maybe I'll say some things and you might say, you know, that's a good point. I didn't consider it, you know, and maybe you'll say Tim's so dumb. I can't believe he said that. And then you will leave. So, no, I don't believe that I have the ability to induce anything. I can ask politely. I can say, I think this is important and I hope you agree. And many people will say no. And they tell me as such in comments and in emails. And it's your right to do so. Perhaps these people in media do not understand what the Internet and the information age revolution has brought us. More egalitarianism, I suppose. You don't control what people think. So therein lies the big problem. Sweep it under the rug, they say, and hope no one notices the rug is extremely lumpy and there's actually some bodies under there. They think they can just induce calm. That's right. If all of these people just tell everyone to do it, they'll listen. No, I'll tell you what would happen if Ben Shapiro went on his podcast and said something like, you must do X and this must happen now. And then just gave this, you know, an, a contrary opinion that or an opinion that defied the facts. People would just say no and they would leave. This is the big difference between most people who are watching content like this and the mainstream media. I think what people need to realize about the content I do is that I get corrected all the time because there are people who actually read the news and then watch my content to get more of a view on what else. So uh, I'll give you an example. Fake news comes out about Trump. They hear it's fake news. They want to know more. They come to my channel and there I am breaking down why it's fake news. And they say, interesting. That's what I thought. I looked it up and I saw it was fake news. The mainstream media people, they just watch the mainstream media and assume it's all true. They don't Google search. They're not fact checking. And the, 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 the reason I've talked about this many, many times, when you go on YouTube, you have to choose to search for a topic. When you watch the mainstream media, you just listen to whatever they tell you is happening. Which brings me to the next and most dangerous aspect of what the media has become. You can't induce anything. The people that you think you are stopping are still talking. They're not going to stop talking. But let me show you the mainstream media. New York Times writes how Trumpism may endure. The Confederacy built a lasting myth of victory out of defeat. Trump and his followers may too as may may too. Oh, no, Trump's going to endure. What do we do? If, if Trumpism keeps going, uh, uh, the Atlantic, how MAGA extremism ends. If Trump keeps losing, the risk of future violence will abate. Oh, oh, I'm so relieved. Trump keeps losing. It's going to finally stop. Oh, thank, thank, my, thank, my, thank my lucky stars. That New York Times story had me really worried that Trump would endure. But then the Atlantic said it would be over. So, oh, no, the CNN is writing Trump is over. Not so fast. What do you mean? Not so fast. Do you mean he's still here? He's coming back. Oh, but, but wait, the, the USA Today says Trump can't be silenced even by Facebook and Twitter, but we can prevent another Trump. Oh, it's finally over. You get the point. They'll write whatever they have to write if it's going to get traffic. They will write endless garbage that contradicts itself. You read this stuff and you are fed this stuff and you have no cohesive logical thought pattern. You're simultaneously holding fractured views about the end of Trump and the beginning of Trump and how Trump can't be silenced and we're going to prevent another Trump. But Trump isn't over. Not so fast. Which is it? Maybe banning all social media really is the answer. 
But I don't think so. I don't really believe that because the cat's out of the bag. The technology exists. The blockchain is here. Mesh networks exist. There's an app you can get that allows you to turn on Bluetooth and then create a mesh network communications. You might have no Wi-Fi, no cell service, but the Bluetooth transmits data between all the other phones and it works. It's really quite incredible. I was on a cruise once and there's, there was no cell service and no Wi-Fi. And so everybody was told when you were boarding to download this app and turn on Bluetooth, you could then send a message to someone. And here's what happens. You've got four people, persons one, two, three, and four. Person one is at one side of the, of the, of the cruise. Person four is at the other side. And then in the middle is person two and three. If person one, if I want to message the person at the other side of the boat, I send the message. The Bluetooth jumps from person to person in between until it finally finds the intended recipient. Brilliant technology. You cannot crush ideas. They're bulletproof. They can't be arrested. They can't be censored. They can't be silenced. Now you can censor the people. You can try your hardest to crush the ideas. But even in China, it doesn't work. Many pretend it doesn't exist. Many hide. But the ideas persist. Now, the authoritarians can crush dissent. They can use military might and force. But in today's day and age, you cannot destroy ideas. Now, I'll tell you, they sure wish they could. They're probably wishing that people just didn't know. Ignorance is bliss. And that's true. If the only thing you knew was the Great Reset, you'd love it. If you're born into it, you'd love it. That's where I think we are heading. And that's what they're hoping to accomplish. It's why they're trying to fracture the family. It's why left wing activists, they want to fracture the family. They want to uh, change the curriculum at schools because they need to indoctrinate youth. It's quite eerie because there was someone else who talked about doing that. A really nasty guy beyond nasty, probably the nastiest one of the nastiest talking about World War Two Germany. This guy was a monster. And we recently heard there was some woman giving a speech, some Republican, where she said, you know, I'm not even going to repeat the words she said. You get the point. They want to indoctrinate kids. They want those kids to grow up knowing this as their only reality because ignorance is bliss. It's almost like the allegory of the cave, I suppose. It also reminds me of Stargate. You ever see the movie Stargate? Back in the 90s. The, uh, so the movie is basically about uh, people. They find this, trend, this, this machine that teleports them to another world. They encounter a group of people who are, let's just say, I don't know if primitive is the right word, but uh, undeveloped culture. And they were basically slaves. At one point, someone tries drawing to, to ask, like to show them a symbol, and they freak out because writing was forbidden. By restricting the ability to transfer knowledge, they kept these people as slaves. Harriet Tubman also has a very famous quote. I have freed many slaves and I would have freed many more if only they knew they were slaves. It's an interesting idea about knowledge and access to knowledge. Maybe it's wrong. Maybe it creates chaos. I don't know. But I happen to fall on the side of I believe people have a right to know. The public has a right to access information and to understand how the world works. But the authoritarians don't. They're worried about a, a, a future where the world is out of control, resources are being stripped, you know, bare, the planet is being stripped bare, and then we ultimately destroy ourselves. That's the world they see. And I understand it. And I respect their concerns, but I don't respect authoritarianism. And I don't expect the idea that they are morally superior to anyone else. Thus, this, is, this isn't the, the inherent problem. 
The people who think they're smarter than you and should control you and your ideas and restrict your ability to do things might be wrong. It just so happens that many of these people are hypocrites who call for these COVID lockdowns and then go out and party themselves. So why would I trust they are right? That's why you don't let these people have power because they're corrupt. A decentralized system is substantially better than a centralized one. I'll be the first to admit, even if it results in people giving me a thumbs down, that we are facing serious challenges on this planet. People have told me, Tim, the overpopulation thing is a myth. Maybe. I don't know. What I do know is I have personally gone and witnessed some of the destruction we have seen to the environment. I have I have gone and done interviews and talked with scientists and looked at the plants that are causing the dead zones in the water. Maybe the videos aren't real. Maybe it's all propaganda. Maybe you can believe what you want to believe. But at a certain point, you've got to choose what you trust to be true. We had a we had a, a PhD pathologist on the IRL podcast who said resources are being depleted. Insect populations are collapsing. If that's true, we're in very serious trouble and we need to do something about it. And I respect that. I don't know what that something is. I had Alex Jones on my podcast and I said, what if the great reset people are right? The planet is on the verge of collapse and they need to take dramatic action to prevent us from essentially being like a yeast in a bottle, eating all the sugar and farting ourselves to death. And Alex said, it's a it's a good question that he challenged. He struggles with himself. It really is a great philosophical conundrum. What if they're right? What if they're wrong? And who do you trust? It seems like most people aren't going to trust the authoritarian politicians who defy their own restrictions. And I think for good reason. You tell me the planet is in decay and on fire, and then you own multiple mansions on the beachfront and you fly in planes. I'm sorry. I have no reason to believe that you're being honest. But I've personally seen things that freak me out. I've seen the jellyfish fisheries. Have you seen this? The jellyfish taking over areas because the fisheries are collapsing. I've actually gone to California and seen one of these areas devastated by desalination, where the brine was being pumped down into the water and it was purging basically the bottom of the food chain. These are serious, serious problems. They think the way to solve the problem is to lie to you and not tell you the truth. Maybe. They think the issue is there are grifters who would lie and manipulate you into not believing it's true. Well, I blame them for being hypocrites and for not putting their money where their mouth is. I blame the elites who would buy beachfront property while claiming the water is going to rise and wipe the property out. Certainly, you don't care if that's true. People like Newsom and Whitmer and Lori Lightfoot and Nancy Pelosi who say COVID lockdown and then defy the COVID lockdowns. So what do we do? Actions speak louder than words. If they won't lead by example, then why will people trust them? The only response they have, I guess, is rules for thee, but not for me. You see, I think I think what's really happening is these people truly believe the world is in jeopardy. I think we have serious problems on this planet. I wonder why they're not calling out China, by the way, or India, or at least enough. And I think what it really is, is that these global elites, these individuals, these multimillionaires and billionaires, they want to live lives of luxury. There are threats to this planet. Overpopulation, to a certain degree, overpopulation is a problem. The problem isn't so much about livable land. It's about the consumption of resources, fossil fuels, namely. I think many of these elites are concerned that we could deplete fossil fuels and then they would have to live like peasants. So here's the compromise. Cut everybody off now 
And then you get to live in luxury, thus creating a permanent upper class and a permanent lower class. I'm not a fan. These people are insane. The media is addicted to Trump. They won't give it up. And they're going to try and crush your ideas, thinking that it will solve some problems. It won't. It never will. The technology exists. They'll try. They'll try and shut it all down. But hackers exist. Now, one thing I think they've done remarkably well is co-opting hackers. Finally, convincing them to support the state has been truly, truly impressive. Some of the people who used to hang out with some of the most notorious far right hackers have been desperate to separate themselves because photos exist of them hanging out. And so they'll try and do whatever it takes. That means supporting the state and the establishment and the war machine because they don't want to be ostracized. But the ability to understand, break down and analyze systems and recalibrate them for different use will never go away. And that means so long as technology has progressed to the point where we have rapid communication, you cannot silence ideas. You can maybe slow them. You can kick them off your platforms, but people won't forget them. They'll hold them. They'll talk in private. Maybe getting rid of bars slowed these things down and tried to curtail these ideas. But if you think Trump was the cause of right wing populism or nationalism, you are wrong. And there's nothing you can do to stop it. Perhaps you need to have a calm and rational discussion to figure out the best way forward so that people can compromise. And then maybe in 100 years and 200 years, we'll have worked towards a better future that we can each respect. Right now, they're saying no compromise. Let's talk about that. In my next video, let's talk about the the attempts to expel Republicans, the 14th Amendment, and how serious this is going to get. The next segment will be at 4 p.m. over at YouTube.com slash TimCast. It's a different channel from this one. Thanks for hanging out, and I will see you all then.